Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day, we set sail from there and arrived at Chios. The day after that, we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day, arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, among whom I'm about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Uh, evening, everyone. Uh, if you're not met, my name is uh, Matt Fuller. It'd be lovely to do so. We're in this topical series then, uh, four weeks thinking of friendship. Now, look, I'm fully aware some people really enjoy topical series and think, oh, it's really good and practical and helpful. I love this. And some say it's not proper sermons, not proper sermons. I know, I know. But for one month out of 12, normally this time of year, we always have a topical series. Acts 20 is partly my justification. So verse 
20, I've not hesitated to proclaim what is useful to you. Later, uh, verse 27, I've not hesitated to proclaim the full counsel of God. 11 months of the year, we work our way through the Bible and give the full counsel of God. Different genre, different books of the Bible. One month, we say, look, this is just quite helpful to think about, so we're going to do it. So if you're of the camp that says there's not proper sermons, it's just a month. And the Bible says it's helpful. So that's what we're doing. And we're thinking tonight that friends give themselves away. Let me pray. Let me lead us as we look at this together. Our great God and Father, we've sung, we've thought already of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Father, thank you that our Savior, our King, our God, is one who knows it is more blessed to give than receive. And Father, please, looking to him, would we understand that more deeply and live it out, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think in one sense it's a simple question. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. Do you believe that? I mean, look, Jesus says it's so obviously we believe it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But really, a Christmas? Yeah, I mean, not a Christmas, obviously, um, because much. Okay. A church? Is it better to give than receive? What about my friendships? I like stuff. I like being loved more than giving out. Do I? Oh, no. I've, oops. Do we believe it? I'm not trying to be sort of super challenging, just some honest reflection. I mean, Jesus says it. Do we believe it? And really tonight, I just want to apply verse, chapter 20 of Acts, verse 35. It's more blessed to give than to receive in two directions which reinforce one another. Uh, that is, as we thought briefly already about serving at church, uh, and the other area of friendships. And I do think they reinforce one another because very few things build f- spiritual friendships like serving alongside one another. Now, let me take a risk and do something odd. Um, who would say that they've made some of their really good friends on a Christian summer camp, working on a summer camp? Yeah, a decent number. I mean, I think it would have been more a few years ago. And if you think what I need to do in the summer is go on holiday to Ibiza or, or wherever your oeuvre is, um, uh, Croatia, that's a good thing to do. Holidays are good. Actually, serving on a Christian holiday camp is fantastic. It's just fantastic for building deep friendships. I could be even cheekier and say, um, who met their spouse? No, 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 there's a number here, but you, you know, let's, let's leave the Perkins and Marsdens and others alone. Let's not, let's not make them um, wave their hands. Let's not do that. That would be awkward and odd and naughty, so I won't do that. We're spending four weeks then thinking about friendship. And uh, just topically, so we thought friends turn up. It's just the power of presence that friends speak up, honest uh, in uh, how they uh, relate to one another. Tonight, friends give themselves away. And uh, next week we'll be thinking, friends, uh, forgive. But uh, Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And this because uh, it's easy to spend some time thinking about friendships and, and paint a 
lovely picture of friendships, which the Bible does, and particularly the last two weeks in, in the book of Proverbs, and think, well, one, oh, I feel sad I don't have those friendships. Come to that. Two, I'm actually a pretty rubbish friend. Um, but three, it's quite easy to think in terms of me. Yes, I want friends for me. Uh, well, actually, the heart of friendship is to give yourself away. If you want a friend, you've got to be a friend. One book written 100 years ago, can you believe it? Um, Hugh Black made this observation. We got it. We have few friendships because we're not willing to pay the price of friendship. The secret of friendship is just the secret of all spiritual blessing. The way to get it is to give away. It's more blessed to give than receive. If you want to be blessed, you give yourself away. And if you don't do that, you are missing out on God's blessing upon you. So that's what we're thinking about uh, uh, tonight. So we're going to work through it like this. As I say, it's topical, but giving your time is costly, but you'll be blessed by the friendships you gain. So follow the master to gain friends. Okay, just those three. Giving your time is costly, but you'll be blessed by the friendships you gain. So follow the master to gain friends. First then, uh, giving your time is costly. As I said, we're mainly looking at verse uh, 35 of uh, chapter 20. But um, it's Paul saying farewell. It's the longest sermon we've got of his uh, in terms of ministry in the book of Acts. And he's saying farewell to his favorite church. Certainly he was there the longest, somewhere between two and a half to three years, depends slightly how you date things. But he'd been there a, a good chunk of time. And Paul is uh, leaving and he's telling the elders what their leadership should look like and some of the problems they're going to face. Uh, and so this verse, when it comes in verse 35, if you're following the reading when it came, it's primarily a warning actually against selfishness uh, in leadership. And it's striking that the, the last words of Paul's longest sermon on how to live as a Christian are, be generous with your time. That's what he wanted to leave these guys with. Uh, obviously, to clarify, uh, there, there is nothing wrong with being recipient of a present. Don't next birthday or Christmas say, no, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. I need to give more to you. No, it's good, you know, some people are good at receiving presents. Oh, I love it. Others are, ooh. Um, but um, it, of course, receiving presents, absolutely nothing wrong with that. The point is here, it is better to share than hoard, be it money or time or talents. And primarily here, I think you'd have to say for Paul, it's the gift he's given away, his time and effort. So verse uh, 34, you know, you yourselves know how these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than receive. He gives himself away, he gives away his time, gives away his labor. He says, I could have taken a salary, but I didn't. I worked really hard to help the weak. Now, let me try and push that in two ways, to ministry and to friendship. So first, ministry. If you serve others, there is a cost. Lots here give themselves and give of themselves tons. And I thank God for you. When I am feeling flat, uh, at work and something has gone wrong, um, which happens a lot, you may or may not really. But, uh, I, but uh, one of the things I do is, you, 
I look at the periodic table of serving now, in the full versions over, over at the back there, and just, I just look at it and think, there are a lot of people who 90% of the church have no idea how hard they work in making sure the safeguarding is all good, in making sure we know what's happening with finance numbers, in good data hygiene when we use church suites. Don't you love it? Are you, I mean, some people do love that role. Sign up, sign up, sign up, right? Um, but I just think there are a lot of people serving in all sorts of ways. Thank God. Actually, I feel a bit happier. On a Sunday morning, there are a lot of people, and the alarm clock goes, like Barty and others, and think, oh, seriously, I've got to get up at what, what o'clock on a Sunday morning to go and teach kids who barely understand anything, or even more. I'm going to go and serve in the creche and change a nappy. Great. But they do. Or get up early in the morning to serve on the band, which is early o'clock as well. And they do. And I think, wow, it's costly, takes time. Who wants to be woken early on a Sunday morning? I don't. And I have to do it. Um, but people do. It's great. It's really great. At a church like CCM, city center, lots of movement of people, sometimes one of the most costly ways we give is relationally. You give yourself to someone, and then after a few years, they move. They think, oh, you can give yourself to someone who's really in a bad place, really support friend, someone you don't particularly know, really support someone in a rough time in marriage when they're overcoming addiction, when they're emerging from an abusive relationship, and it's relationally very costly. And then they recover, and they're in good heart, and then they move. And you think, what? But like, now you're going well. How about a bit of reciprocation? And they go. And you think, oh, it's costly. No one's denying it. Who wouldn't deny it? It's hard work giving yourselves, serving others in ministry. But we're drifting. We're perhaps blurring the line now, particularly with that last one. Giving time is costly in friendships as well. I mean, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? In Western culture, we're pretty focused upon the individual, and we, we live in a culture which promotes sort of receiving and accumulating rather than giving and sacrifice. It's just what our culture celebrates most of the time, implicitly. And so there are times when being committed in friendship is costly. Small ways and larger ways. Small ways, um, just time, just giving time. We, we thought a bit about this uh, uh, week one, but um, uh, do you give to friendships? I think sometimes in the digital realm, we want friendship, but we're nervous of overcommitting in intimacy, and we can have the pretense of companionship out there without paying the cost of time and revealing ourselves sometimes. It's very easy to like posts, much harder to love people, small things, phone calls, messages, meeting up, much more costly. You've got to make yourself a little bit vulnerable, as we thought as well last time. There's a cost. 
It's just it's some basic day-to-day. Uh, one or two may have heard me say this before, but uh, um, uh, a few a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, um, it was pre-COVID, whatever, uh, years ago. Um, but uh, there was an interaction here on a Sunday morning and between a mum and her, probably at the time, 22-year-old, and um, he said, she was holding the Sunday paper, and he said, oh, can I take that to, and read it on the, um, on the tube home? And she said, yeah. She said, oh, no, hold a minute. You're not going home, are you? You're going to see James. He said, yeah, I was going to, but I'm going to message him. I'd just be, I'd just be more relaxing to go and hang out on the sofa, just chill out on the sofa and read the paper. And this just look came across her face. Relaxing. Oh, more relaxing. And then she got the newspaper and said, I didn't raise you to do things just because they're relaxing. You said you'd go and see James. Go and see James. You are not having my paper. In fact, you're not going home. Don't let him, don't let him go home. You're going to see James. Now, it was slightly amusing to observe, you know, a, a mum hitting a 22-year-old or 23-year-old with a newspaper. I mean, I think he thought, well, hold on, what's going on? It's gone back 10 years in time or something. What's happening here? But she's just saying, hold on a minute. You said you'd go and see your friend. Go and see your friend. Just because at this moment in time you think, oh, it'd be more relaxing just to chill out on the sofa. Who cares? It's not about you. You're meant to be a good friend. He'd like to see you. Now he's flat. Go and see your friend. To his credit, he went, yeah, you're right, mum. And, sort of, you know, and off he went. In the small ways, but also in the slightly larger ways, I've enjoyed rereading about um, the friendship of John Newton and, and William Cooper. Um, and uh, numerous books you can read on it or, or just even Google it. There's some decent papers online. Uh, and uh, someone else, as John Newton, um, uh, Amazing Grace, etc., but was a minister for a dozen years uh, in Olney in Essex before moving to London. And for all of that time, his closest neighbour and friend was William Cooper, uh, the hymn writer. And Cooper suffered off and on through his life with chronic depression. Now, they were very different characters. John Newton... Sea captain, ha um, and a sort of all action. You read his, he didn't do that or have a parrot on his shoulder, by the way. Um, but you read his life, it's all action. He's, he's go, go, go. Cooper, slightly nerdy, introverty character. They're not a natural fit, but they met and they bonded over Christ and they wrote hymns together and they spent their lives together. When Cooper was at his lowest point physically and mentally, Newton said, well, you best come and live with me. So he moved into the vicarage at Olney, and it was uh, John and Mary Newton looked after him for, for that year until he was a little bit better. I hadn't quite realized there's the obvious hard work of a man who is threatening to take his own life, who has said, I don't believe I am a Christian, I'm not sure God is good, and you just sit there and you sit with him and you sit with him. But also at the same time, the man who funded um, Newton's ministry was a man called John Thornton, and said, get rid of this guy, Cooper. You've got, loads of, you've got a global ministry, John. You should be doing big things. And you're wasting all this time on your, this depressed. Just kick him out and get on with ministry. And he, oh, but what happens to the money and what happens to the funding? All sorts of real pressures. And you can say, no, he's my friend. I'm just going to stick by my friend. So sometimes it's costly. Can I make three very practical suggestions uh, for us uh, here? Uh, one, two, three, uh, in reply to this. Giving your time is costly. Uh, one, if you feel a little bit lonely, if you think, actually, I do feel a little bit short of friends in London, do, one of the best things you can do is actually get involved in the ministries of church. 
or power church, wider church, but it is one of the best things you can do. Just let me just briefly, one letter, Paul's letter to the Philippians, let me just highlight one or two comments Paul makes when he writes to the Philippians church. He greets them and says, I, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership and the gospel from the first day until now. Well, that's a great unity that cause, causes Paul to praise them, excuse me, to praise God for them. Give thanks for them. What about Timothy? Well, everyone looks out for their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ, except Timothy. Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. Wow, that's a friendship, isn't it? This guy has become like a son to me because he's just been faithful and we've just done so much ministry together. I love him. And you read the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy, there is friendship born out of serving together. Or Epaphroditus, I think it's necessary to send back to um, uh, Philippi, Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who is also a messenger, who you send to take care of my needs. That's a trio, isn't it? Brother, co-worker, fellow soldier. Do you see these relationships, how they've grown, developed, matured in church, laboring together, serving together. And you just see it here, you know, one or two comments. Well, you know, it's great. You meet band members, you help out the sound desk, you meet these guys, get to know them, you're doing stuff together. Great. Uh, a few said to me when we did Operation Coronation and just wandered out and, you know, paired up and off we went trying to uh, engage people uh, around the coronation time with the gospel. Oh, I didn't really know Billy, Molly, Actually, it was great. Really enjoyed that. Look out for them, spend more time with them going forward. Getting working together in a kids' group, get up, bleary eyed as you wander in uh, a little bit together just because of the time. Um, um, and um, you, you serve with the kids, and oh, look, you know, oh, oh, kids are funny, they say something funny, and you laugh about it together. It's bonding. You serve in crash and you both get vomited. No, that's probably too much, isn't it? But um, you serve alongside. It just builds biblically. Friendship. You can serve at church with a slight mentality. I'm on a rotor. It's my turn on the rotor this week. Nah, that won't do you much good. You can say I'm on a team. This is my team. You'll make good friends that way. So if it's one suggestion, one practical thing. If you feel a little bit lonely, short of friends, get involved. Secondly, uh, and perhaps the other end of the spectrum, if you think, actually, I've got plenty of friends. I've got plenty of friends in life. I've got plenty of friends at church. I'm all right. Well, can I encourage you to make those friendships porous? Be a little bit like God. Bring others into your friendship. So we've thought over the past few weeks, this uh, might my target, I say my target, I scribbled it on a piece of paper and, and Ben kind of made it pretty. But, um, uh, you know, just some realism here. You, you, there's, only, there's a limited number of people you can have as confidants. You're transparent before. They know everything about your life. Maybe you carry them through, you know, decades of your life. There's not many that can be in that category. It's just realistic. You can't. But close friends, companions, acquaintances. Now, so when I say, oh, well, make your friendships porous, don't think, I haven't got any more time. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying stuff you do anyway, just invite others to do it. Oh, there's someone new-ish at church. Oh, they've been here actually years. You just discover they're a bit lonely at the moment. Just invite them in. 
oh, what, are you, what are you doing this weekend? I'm, well, I'm watching sport. Do you want to come? Watch the Champions League final? There's just a few of us watching. Yeah, it's not an extra burden. Maybe an extra cushion on the floor. That's it. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm just painting a wall in my bedroom, not just randomly. Um, do you want to actually be, do you want to help? Yeah, I would. Oh, okay, great. You just saved yourself some time. Just invite people into stuff that you're already doing. In, invite others in. Not to the center. You've got to be realistic. That takes years or intentionality. But just bring people in a little bit into your friendships. If you've got a gr great group here at church, bring some people in. Let them share your joy. Be kind. Because it is more blessed to give than receive. I'll just say, making an observation, historically, expats from wherever, different parts of Europe, Australia, the US, have been enormous blessing to CCM because they don't chase around the country lots of weekends trying to see everyone they've ever met. Uh, they invest life here and actually quite often a social dynamite here. You're all right, that's your moment. Don't say I'm always nasty about Aussies and, you know, don't, you know, it's the ashes are coming up. That's your one good one, all right? Um, and then I'm going to be nasty to Australia. No, I'm not. Um, but it's a real blessing. And we should give thanks for that, investing where they are. Look, if you feel a bit lonely, get involved. If you've got loads of friendships, bring people in. Bring people into the gang. Third little practical comment. Don't just look or think narrowly. By which I mean, it, it's a bit miserable if singles think, well, I can only hang out with singles. And couples think, I can only hang out with couples. Actually, it's a real blessing when you, you think a bit more widely. I'd say some of the richest friendships actually at church are mums with small kids who are exhausted and 20-somethings who hang out quite a lot with them. There's sort of an extra pair of hands, which is great, and a family, which is great. It's win-win-win. Well, win-win. There's only two groups. Um, it's, a, it's a real blessing. Sometimes what people don't get is, you know, I've, been, I've had this great group of friends for a long time, and uh, I've got married, and now, oh, no one speaks to me from that group anymore because they think I'm sorted. No. No. I'm not sure at the moment, but I would say five years ago, I thought the loneliest group of people in church were young married people. Um, I don't think that's true now, actually. But it can be sometimes. Oh, they're fine. They've got one another. Um, no, you just need to think just a little bit outside the box. Maybe they want to come and paint a wall. Again, whatever. Um, again, just to think, well, the family, the families are just really busy. Families are really busy, but if you roll in with them, you have a great time. Roll in with their rhythms. Okay? Just don't think narrowly. Those would be three very practical things. Giving your time is costly. If a bit lonely, get involved. Got loads of friends, make them porous. Think a little outside your lane. It is costly, but... Uh, but you'll be blessed by the friendships you gain. Let's pick up the pace. You'll be blessed by the friendships uh, you gain. Rich friendships. Look at the last few, last few verses here, uh, verse 36. When Paul finished speaking, he knelt down with them and he prayed. Verse 37, they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement they would never see his face again. They embraced him and they kept and they kissed him and they wept. 
That is a rich relationship. Serving alongside others in the kingdom of God, it will cost you, cost you time and energy. But the blessing you get is more. It is more blessed to give than receive. You get more blessing from the living God if you give than if you receive. And I, we do slightly struggle to believe it. Well, let me put it in financial terms. You can be a multi-billionaire, but if you have no friends who are there for you, who speak the truth to you, or are honest with you, you are a poor man. I would not give the friendships I have for a million pounds. Now, that's an easy thing to say, but I think you think it too. Because what would you do if you got a million pounds? Well, you get buy a house. Hooray, London. <laughs> um, you know, you live in the dream. Uh, small house. All right, small. Um, but, you, you know, right. I can, but now what? You've got to give up all your friendships. Oh, well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's the trade. Your friendships are worth more than a million pounds, right? Ten million. The number can go as high as you want. The friendships we have are one of the richest blessings we have in the whole of life, worth goodness knows how much money. Spiritual friendships, which have been bonded over serving the Lord Jesus Christ, are the best of all. They really are. I enjoyed this quote, Jonathan Holmes. Biblical friendship exists when two or more people bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. It's a bit pompous, actually. Or it's a bit too long-winded to remember. It's a good quote. I shouldn't say. It's a bit, bit long-winded. But biblical friendship, when you're bonded by your relationship with the Lord Jesus and you're deliberate, uh, for what it's worth, I, th I think I, I, I'm not in contact with anyone I went to school with. Um, not for any good reason, just life. Um, university friends, yep. So one of the people I met my first week at uh, university, a guy called Andy Mason, some would know. He's a minister uh, down the road in London on the world's end estate. And uh, when, when we met, he was a Christian, I was not. Uh, if you ask him, at, at age 18, he would say, I or 19, uh, I was the most unpleasant person he'd ever met. But it's all right, God has sanctified me somewhat. Um, now, we're quite different people. He, he is uh, much more of an analytical mind. He's just nicer. Um, he's a bit more erudite, a bit more booky than I am. Uh, we're actually quite different in the things we do, leisure activities. Uh, but there's a decade there of uh, over three uh, a friendship over three decades. I asked him the other day, I said, I'm just being on, what are you doing at the moment at church for friendship? Why are you doing that? All right, I know. Um, I said, why are we good friends? And because he's much brighter than me, sort of incisive, analytically, he said, uh, it was two things, isn't it? We're spiritual and intentional. Um, and I said, go on. He said, we're spiritual. You and I are completely unlike one another, and you were the most unpleasant person. I know you've told me that. Um, but we became Christians, and we've served Jesus at university and the different stages of life. And we've been intentional. When I was overseas for five years, you came and visited me every couple of, you know, twice a year at least to come out and, you know, Norway in the winter, like two hours of daylight. It was miserable. Um, he said, that's why. Spiritually intentional, that's why. Okay, very good. 
And he's just right. Most of the time, he's always right. It's quite annoying. Um, But the best friendships are spiritual friendships, friendship of the soul, agreement on the most valuable activities that there are in life. John Newton commented on his uh, friendship with Cooper, uh, William Cooper. We may have it. uh, There he is. Um, Wigs are optional. But um, talking of their friendship, the Lord who had brought us together so knit our hearts and affections that for nearly 12 years we were seldom separated for seven hours at a time when we were awake and at home. The first six I passed in daily admiring and aiming to imitate him. The second six I walked pensively with him in the valley of the shadow of death. But we spent so much time together. And again, if you read their friend, they're very, very different people. But we served Christ together and we spurred one another on and we loved it. Giving your time is costly. You'll be blessed by the friendships you gain. Oh, and by the way, do you notice the other little bonus here? Uh, If you look up to verse 32, you get a great inheritance. Paul can write, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified, the word of his grace, of which verse 35 is one example. It's more blessed to give than receive. The the word of God so shapes you that rather than investing here and now, you invest it in eternity. Everything you need to do to get into heaven, Jesus has done for you. But you enjoy the journey more. You go through this life with greater joy and peace and assurance if you give. You'll know those blessings if you give. And if you don't, you won't. Jesus will get to heaven, but you'll have enjoyed the journey a whole lot less. So there's a, this is a bit of a tangent. Okay, I just allow it. There's a sense in which at the end, you know, these tables come out and the staff members say, oh, come for me. Um, now, if you understand verse 35 rightly, it's more blessed to give than receive. If you understand it rightly, there'll be a stampede to the front and people will be saying, please, can I serve? Please, can I give my time away? Because I've heard and I'm persuaded by God, it is more blessed to give than receive. When someone comes up to you, a staff member perhaps or someone else and says, oh, can I invite you to serve in this way? Don't think they need help. Do think, thank goodness someone has given me the chance to be more blessed by God. That's what we're talking about here. Giving your time is costly. You'll be blessed by the friendships you gain last. So follow the master to gain friends. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you'd have to say, he believed it and he lived it. Jesus did not need any more friends. He had spent eternity with the Father and the Spirit in absolutely blissful harmony. He did not need any friends. They were rich, but he came and endured rejection and pain. He came and he gave his life because he knows it's better to give than to receive. At the heart of the universe is a God who so loves this world that he gave his one and only son. At the heart of the universe is a God who says it's better to give than receive. And you and I, we need to know that, believe it, sing of it, 
enjoy it in order to give ourselves away? If we, if we, if we look at him and say, I see Jesus, and I see what God, Father, Son, and Spirit have done, they've said, we'll give the Son, Jesus, to die for you so you can come and enjoy your master's happiness. You can be brought into the life of the Trinity. If we understand that, of course our friendships will be porous. We'll say, look, we're really good mates. Why did you come and hang out with us in a really practical way? Jesus made us his friends when we were undeserving. He continues with us as friends, though we're completely unreliable. He says, I'll keep investing in you, even though you're unfaithful. So it is in looking to him, we have the strength, the energy, the power to give ourselves away. It's a hot evening, but are you persuaded? It is more blessed to give than receive. Generally, in serving, in friendships. Don't deprive yourself of the blessing of God by hoarding. Be like Jesus. Give it all away. Let's pray together. Our great God and Father, we thank you that before the creation of the world, in your wisdom, you, together with the Lord Jesus Christ, together with your Son, together with the Spirit, decided to give, decided that out of your boundless generosity, not out of any need, but you would give of yourself so that others could enter your joy, enter your happiness. We thank you for the supreme example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given himself so that we could enter into relationship with him. He can call us his friends. And so, Father, knowing him, dwelling upon him, loving him, would we be able to do similar? Give ourselves away. Invite others into our happiness. Give our time, our labor in serving you. And we trust you that when we give, we're blessed because it is better to give than receive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.